Welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast. We address the issues, opportunities, and challenges facing women in the development of the metaverse, the biggest revolution since the internet itself. Every week, we bring you conversations with top female talent and business executives operating in the gaming and crypto industries. Here's your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss. The Meta Woman Podcast okay, starts now. Hello, and welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast, part of the Holodeck Media Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss. From struggle to success, we're covering it all. To our returning listeners, thank you so much for supporting the show, for leaving the five-star ratings and reviews, telling your friends, for doing all of that. And for our new listeners, welcome. I hope you enjoy. Joining me this week is Gina Chung Lee, Chief, Chief Marketing Officer at GenG. For those of you who are not familiar with GenG, they're an esports organization that connects the US and Asia. GenG operates in China, South Korea, and the US, and their team profile includes seven global championships and teams in Overwatch League, League of Legends, World Championship, a men's Valorant team, and an all-women's Valorant team, an NBA 2K League team in Shanghai, among others. As you can tell, they have a lot going on, so much so that it was even hard for me to get through. Uh, it's also worth noting that Genji puts a lot of effort into inclusivity efforts, not only by supporting things like an all-women's Valorant team, um, but having initiatives like hashtag Team Bumble, the leading team platform for the empowerment of women in gaming, and the Genji Foundation, a 10-year, $1 million commitment to collegiate scholarships targeted at women, people, to, people of color, and low-income college students. So, a lot to cover, but Gina, welcome to the show. To start, I would love for you to give the audience a bit about yourself and your background, given that we've kind of walked through a little bit of Genji. Yeah, sure. Hello. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. It's nice to... Um... I'm so sorry that I've delayed this recording over and over, but it's been so crazy because, you know, lots of things happening for us. Um, as you mentioned, we are a global esports organization. So, you know, we have different leagues and teams running all the time and, you know, it's just been busy, busy, busy. But um, so my background, I actually have, um, I, I did not come from a gaming background. I've been with Genji for about three years. And um, it's been a really, you know, a whirlwind experience, a lot of learnings. Um, by, but my original background is I came from um, the fast fashion space. So I worked at, at my last job right before um, I came over to Gen G was I was the head of global brand marketing at Forever 21. Um, seemingly very different, but actually a lot of things uh, are pretty similar. Um, you know, I mean, obviously at Forever 21 or at any fashion company or um, product company, you know, your main purpose is to sell the product, right? So you're creating marketing campaigns around product and um, you know, clothing, shoes, makeup, whatever it may be, right? Um, and working in global brand marketing, you know, there there were a lot of um, <clears throat> there were a lot of diff different channels in which we you know, communicated the brand out to the consumer. There's obviously, you know, Instagram, huge for fashion, um, Twitter, YouTube, a lot of creator work. And then in there was also a lot of brand partnerships. I worked on a lot of collaborations between Forever 21 and other brands, um, you know, working on limited apparel capsules and, you know, seeing those apparel capsules come through all the way to fruition with gifting creators, you know, doing experiential events, 
um, you know, things like that. So the, it, it seems really different, but in actuality, they, there are a lot of things that overlap and are kind of similar, right? Like gaming as an audience, you have to under, understand or, you know, seek to speak to the larger audience. And how are you going to reach that audience? You know, there's the segment of the audience that's super into the competitive space and wants to follow the esports teams and how they do within each game and league, you know. Um, and then you have like the more casual gamer audience who follow an organization or a creator because of the things that they do within that space. And then how do we as an organization help to empower the fan base to be able to interact and engage with not just our brand, but with our sponsorship brand. So, you know, maybe different platforms. Um, I wasn't as familiar with the Twitch space. I've learned a lot, a lot since. And, um, you know, Twitter wasn't a huge priority for fashion. Um, so, you know, it's always very image and Instagram driven. So, you know, different kinds of different kinds of media. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's really about reaching an audience and the platform that they feel the most comfortable in and, and understand the brand through those lens. So, yeah. Gotcha. What made you want to transition from fashion to gaming? Um I mean, it could it could just be that you just really liked Genji and it was a good opportunity. But was there any any reason you either wanted to get out of fashion or into gaming? Or was this just kind of a right place, right time type opportunity? Um, so I, you know, my whole life, I wanted to work in fashion. That was like when I graduated from school, college, high school, you know, all that. I was like, my career is going to be in fashion in any which way possible. And I worked in a variety of um, jobs within the fashion space. I, I eventually made my way into the social media and marketing part of it. But I did do a lot of work in, um, you know, in store displays, I did buying, I did apparel design, I worked on a small line for a little bit as well. So when I was approached with this opportunity, you know, I, I had had already a very long career within the fashion space doing a lot of different aspects of it so and I I guess you could say right place at the right time but I think there were also things that were really you know interesting about it it was a very emerging space at the time you know obviously gamers and people who are like very big fans of gaming are, are were already like very um you know, much a part of the, the communities, but somebody like me that was coming in kind of as an outsider, it was very eye-opening to see that there was such a large community of people, you know, very engaged, a huge community that was almost hidden. I mean, not hidden, but like to the general, um, you know, you know, in school, you were never like, oh, I want to grow up, I want to be a gamer. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it didn't seem like the career path that was avail readily available. So I was very intrigued by that, you know. Gotcha. I think maybe yeah. now hopefully things have changed with the rise of Twitch, but certainly when when I was growing up, yeah, people did not grow up wanting to be professional gamers. Um given your passion for fashion and your background in it, how do you see the overlap in fashion and gaming? I've seen a lot with Fortnite and Roblox, for example, or Nike, I think they had a They've been kind of big on making metaverse experiences in plays, but how do you see the overlap between fashion and gaming and creating those experiences for customers? 
Um, I think there's like, there are a lot of ways to look at fashion and gaming overlap. Um, you know, I feel like that we're still in this like discovery phase too of what that looks like. You know, there on one hand, they're at like a base level, you know, there's creators, there's people who have a lot of audience share and there's, you know, the ability to gift them and gift their uh, followers to really see what the the product is like. Um, when you get to be a little bit more, um, you know, into the metaverse area, I think different brands are looking at it in different ways. And I think the one that the, the brands and partners who are looking at it as a transactional in a transactional lens um for me i i think that that's not quite the way to approach it um i guess like the example i would give to a a brand is you know why is the times square billboard the some of the most coveted ad space you know uh, when i was at forever 21 we had a a, a big digital billboard attached to the store and it was like the number one thing that artists and models wanted to be on you know it was like the the thing that meant the most to them when we would work on a lot of these campaigns and you know it, it it's kind of the same thing where it's like you, you don't have somebody look at that billboard and go immediately oh I'm going to buy this item right now you know it it, it kind of has to be a longer term play it's about being um, relatable and being there in spaces that people are looking, consuming and watching and, you know, caring about. And so I, I think that's really the future of the metaverse. I'm sure that, or these like branded activations, um, it's more about the experience. I think, I don't know if that really answered your question. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You can't, yeah, you can't, just necessarily have an empty marketing campaign and expect to sell everything. Um, there has to be like a consideration for how the consumers are actually interacting in that experience. Yeah. And I think also consistency, right? Like there's a huge play right now for people to be first to metaverse, you know, brands want to be first to metaverse, but like, what is metaverse? It means different things to different brands. And then also what are you doing in that metaverse? that provides value to the consumer and and that i don't know people care more about what they get now you know like the consumer consumer led activations are are land better right so i think yeah huh. um is that something that is that a trend that you've noticed recently or is that you know i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out the exact question i'm asking but you jumped from fast fashion to gaming um, and fast fashion presumably has a really different kind of marketing strategy um, technique that they use to go after customers, things like that. Um, and in that jump, is that when you kind of notice the success of consumer led activations? Or do you think that this is more of a global shift that's happening in all industries? Or what has what has changed in the past five years? Or maybe it hasn't. Maybe consumer led activations have always been more successful. but. It's certainly that to me is not something I've heard before. So can you just elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably a global shift that happened because of social media and access that people have to content and ads, you know, and what is viewed as an ad. 
When I was first working in like the social media space, it was when Instagram was barely getting to have fashion Instagrammers who were being paid right. by brands to push their product. Like, you know, it wasn't regulated. There was no like, you know, you didn't have to do the hashtag ad, the ha- you know, all those rules. Like they, it wasn't there yet. It was really very discovery oriented. And, and it was very, um, there were, it, it felt like there were no boundaries almost. Um, that's actually how I made my shift from making clothes to like marketing clothes was because um, I kind of had like a quarter life thing. And I was like, I'm going to be a social media person. And I started doing like um, photography stuff and styling stuff on Instagram. And that like snowballed into a whole per- new reinvented career <laughs> based off of that. And so I think that, you know, people are so much more used to um, consumer led content now. And obviously there's still an element where a brand wants to seem really cool or like, um, what I'm looking for the right word on the tip of my tongue. Um, you know, like a brand that people look up to, right. Or like think or think is cool. Right. But at the same time, you also have to be relatable. And so I think that's where, you know, there's like the two different kinds where you build the brand and have like really, really cool, um, high end looking campaigns on the other side of it. You also have to balance that with things that are more relatable. Yeah. And speaking of those influencer type relationships, or I mean, influencers, creators, artists, um, all different categories, I really recognize, but you manage a lot of collaborations between brands and those types of folks who might come from the external world who do the consumer led uh, media as their main form of content. How do you navigate those relationships to make sure that both sides are getting something valuable from that collaboration? I think that um, in order for both sides to have something super valuable, I think people have to be really clear about what um, two things. The first is their core brand message. You know, what are they trying to do with this campaign? And does it, is it a shared value system with the creator? Um, and then the second thing um, is allowing the creators to have some freedom within their medium because they're experts within their, their mediums and their audience. They know their audience the best. So I think with having, uh, making sure that expectations are clearly outlined and the success, like what defines success to the brand and what defines success to the creators, like those have to kind of align in order for both sides to get something positive from it. Gotcha. So specific measures of success kind of help you determine how two sides work together. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And also along that same vein, I think that one of the most important things in these collaborations is that elusive authenticity word that comes up a lot in gaming and gamers, I think, are especially notorious for calling out uh, when brands or collaborations or agencies or whomever, when there's maybe a, I don't know, a, a less savory play, I guess I'll call it. 
so what I mean is gamers are quick to point out if a, a streamer maybe partners with a brand that is not well liked in the gaming community. Um, that's that's I think that they're known as being a very fickle and somewhat somewhat harsh audience. Uh, they often adjudicate things themselves in Reddit and Discord communities. But when you're coming up with those measures for success and when you're pairing together the content creator or the influencer with the initiative that you're trying to market, how are you thinking about making sure that those pieces match so that you can kind of maintain that, again, elusive authenticity piece in the gaming community? Um, so I think understanding what the brand is trying to do and then understanding the type of audience that the creator this is I feel like I'm just saying what I already said (laughs) sorry but we're almost we exist because or when we are working with with between brands and creators I don't want to say we're like an agency because we're not we are we are an organization and the creators are a part of our organization and they want to work with us. But we want to work with them because, you know, we share certain brand values or we like their content or there's a lot of reasons why, you know, we would choose to work with a certain creator. And so when we're trying to match up the two sides, we, we have to really get that what the brand is trying to do is the same as what a, this particular streamer can, can do. You know, like you said, the audience is really vocal. If you try to force something to a particular creator's audience, like they're the first to be like, this is so fake or, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't think that you can really um, force that. I, I think you've, like you've mentioned, people have done collabs because I'm sure there are high paychecks or whatever, but at the end of the day, it can get very rejected by the gaming communities. And I think that's really interesting. It's almost like empowering, you know, like we can dictate um, the tone. The, the audience has a lot of power in, in this situation. When it, what is kind of, what are some of your favorite activations? What are some of the things you've actually worked on at Gen G that just really excite you? So. We spent a lot of time, you know, in the last three years. When when I when I first started, like people knew us as a Korea first organization. Like we had the Seoul Dynasty, which the Overwatch team. You know, never mind that the audience is mostly North America or like this huge North American fan base for that team. Um, but you know, it's a Seoul team, Seoul Korea team. We also had a uh, League of Legends and a PUBG team out of Korea and. When I joined, I was really, um, I was part of the wave of the first, um, you know, setting up the the North American headquarters in Los Angeles. And so um, I think a lot of things have happened along the way that at the time were like just a pipe dream, right? Like I would have never thought that we would work with a global sports brand like Puma and that they would, you know, support us worldwide, you know, not just for our Korean teams, but for our initiatives in North America. Um, I think that's one of the 
the partnerships that I, I love the most because I think like at, in the beginning, I was like, um, you know, talking with our now CEO who was a chief operating officer at the time, Arnold. And we had like a, you know, what is, what would be our goal, you know? And it was like to get a major sports sponsor for us, not just in Korea, but globally. And and it happened. So it's really cool. Um, and um, so as kind of a continuation of that, you know, next week, we're going to be unveiling that we are uh, launching a partnership with a game developer. Um, a game. Sorry. No, that was an excited. Ooh. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, like a game, a game developer that um, is huge in Korea, and um, the game that we are working on um, marketing with them globally is called Eternal Return, and it's a battlefield style game where the characters are very, they're very cute. Like a lot of cosplayers would actually like them. So it's, it's similar to League of Legends where you're, um, you know, there's like a, a map, but it's a battleground game where it's not like 5v5 like League of Legends. It's kind of like PUBG or Fortnite where you can like go into the map and play amongst other people. And then the other additive layer is that the characters are like really cute <laughs> in like a Genshin type of way. Um, so we're working with them to promote their game worldwide. And so uh, I think like I would have never even thought of that as a, an option, right? Uh, three years ago when we were when we were working on this, like to draw on our roots in Korea and like to show how we expanded and adapted per region. And each each region has their own marketing initiatives, but we are also a global brand. And they're working with a publisher to to push their game. and. I mean that's kind of crazy like I that is I'm... so cool <laughs> that's much different I mean I don't I'm not extremely familiar with how all different organizations kind of operate in the team space so I don't want to say something and then have it be wrong but I'm not super aware of any other partnerships with developers quite like this that center around a game launch um and where you're really pushing forward a game like that's that's the kind of a new way of doing things I, I think I could be wrong you can correct me if I'm wrong <laughs> I I mean I want to say it's revolutionary and nobody does it right? <laughs> but, yeah I mean I I think that, I think that it doesn't it there isn't an example of it but also I could be wrong you know yeah I can't at least none are coming coming to top of mind um so that's that's quite fun and very very interesting um so shifting gears a bit and actually this is kind of related to the discussion we're having but you were recently promoted to vp of brand activation and a to from vp of brand activation and apparel to chief marketing officer um and you know then we've talked about this brand new activation and all of the different work that you're doing um can you talk a little bit about how you're able to elevate your career um would love to hear kind of from two different angles one being what you did for yourself education or experience wise and the second being you know the type of environment that you are in at gen g where there is such a heavy focus on promoting dei principles and you guys seem to really work hard bringing that into the organization um so yeah if you could just tell me about that sure um 
So my educational background is I, you know, I, I studied art, actually, my major in college was studio art um, and American studies, which is like a major where you do like English and history and sociology all combined. <laughs> so I, it's completely unrelated to where I am career right now. Um, but I think like at, at Gen G, the environment here is very um ideas focused right so i don't think that be, because a lot of us had previous lives as you know with careers in other industries i think maybe we don't come to the table with this is how gaming should be right because we're all still learning and we all understand that we're like students in the space as well so I think there is an environment where, I mean, maybe I could be wrong. This is how I feel, where um, we're rewarded for being um, inventive, I guess. And, like, I know my strengths as an employee. You know, I know my background. I know that, you know, I've done solid work within the branding space, and I have, like, a weird you know, cross-section of um, background where I can, like, work on design things, but also have done stuff in social media campaigns and influencer management and experiential events. So when when I came here, I, I fully expected that I was going to be drawing on a lot of those um, different pots. And, then, and I think you kind of have to just, like, go with it, right? I mean, I, I would, that's the cool thing about feeling like you're in a startup space. You don't really have to feel like, oh, I can't do this because I'm not supposed to do it. Um, and I think that that, you know, obviously as the organization is growing and has grown over the last three years, like, you know, it's more structured than it was when I first started. But I think we're still led by this idea that, um, you know, you can be creative. And there are different ways that that creativity is expressed. But I think intellectual creativity is probably the way that I would say that we're, that we, like what we value. Um, and then I think a lot of the DE&I stuff, like that stuff is meaningful to me personally, right? Um, I've worked in like really large organizations that, and you know, I won't like say where or what, but you know, at a certain point you think like fashion, you think it's like all, all women, but at a certain point it, it's not, right? You get to the, a certain level and you're the only woman in the room. And so I think a lot of, those experiences are, um, you know, probably echoed within gaming. And so it, it's really important for us, and we, we actually truly believe it, to build a inclusive staff, right? A staff and an inclusive community, like that, that's something that is important to us. So um, it's been it's been great to see it play out because, like, the, the leadership here is very open you know, to, to new ideas. And, um, I, I would say like my advice for, um, people who are trying to level up their careers is, is to definitely not like undersell yourself, but also don't oversell yourself. You know, I think like if I came into the gaming space and I was like, I know everything, you know, it would be like a really different outcome than me being like, okay, I know what I, I know what I know and I know what I need to learn. Right. And I think that that kind of, that way of thinking is applicable in a lot of situations, you know. 
How much of the kind of, you know, creativity and innovation and and the push for having an environment that's very aware of DEI principles, do you think comes from Gen.G being a company that operates in multiple countries, multiple different, you know, language barriers and different cultures? How much of that do you think can kind of be attributed to how the organization is run across different countries? I mean, I think maybe like half, right? Because our our leaders, like this. I love that you gave an exact number. I was thinking like, <laughs> oh, wait, no, we really love percentages here. So, and to track success. So, <laughs> so funny. I, I had to give you a metric. Um, I would say like 50%. I think like our leadership is really, um, like a lot of our leadership is something American. You know, so like Asian American, like you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like, I think like, and I, I do think like when you enter into our company, it's like, we, we definitely have like all hands meetings that are, are weekly or biweekly now. They're global. Like you have like the China office on there, you have the Korea office on there. We have like full staff of translators. Like it's a whole thing to like even get through like updates because, you know, in, in the different regions, it's like, yes, of course, like most people outside of the U.S. learn English and yes they like have language skills that I would only dream of having but at the same time you still like having business English is different than having conversational English and so we have like translators you have to like kind of I think there is a big factor in that you know and and business culture is different by region as well so for me that was a big learning like on how to communicate to staff in Korea um, in a way that is helpful um you know i think uh, americans can tend to communicate in a way that is overly direct sometimes and doesn't always match the culture of you know and and that neither way is wrong or right it's just the way that you know the culture is i've I've definitely had to learn a lot about that um during my time here as like an asian face but i was born and raised in the u.s so even for me that barrier was like you know learning a lot of learning I think the other side of it too is like, you know, we are, um, we have a lot of educational initiatives and, um, you know, we definitely see that the DE&I is important, you know, not just I mentioned personally to us, but like it's, it's, it's important in crossover with the educational um, initiatives that we have, like, you know, really empowering the next generation of gamers is like, you know, something that is important to us, truly sounds cheesy, but it is. You know, so <laughs> and there's a lot of things that connect within there, right? Like, you know, woman in the in the gaming space right. is a big, you know, conversation, especially since especially around this time it's a big conversation piece. But when we started it wasn't that big of a conversation piece. You know, it was like something that we wanted to do. Um something that we wanted to do and now like, you know, the industry has changed so much in the last three years, like every org is supporting the the you know this cause as well and it's it's amazing right <laughs> it's wild i yeah. i actually i got into this space i i suppose a bit later so i've been around mostly for the last two to three years and even just i mean hearing the stories about what it was like before then was pretty horrible but i don't know that i would have even have gotten into the industry if it was five years ago 
right? I don't, I don't think this podcast would exist if it was five years ago, because I don't think that there was people out there willing to listen to what was going on at the time. Um, So I can definitely appreciate that the different initiatives you all are putting forward. um, And I'm hoping that that leads to kind of a more seismic change eventually, although we're seeming to get more of a slow trickle of change, but (laughs) at least it's something, I suppose. (laughs) I think it's like amazing when you see, because I don't know, like when, when I, when I started, and it wasn't even that long ago, right? And you're saying like five years ago, that's like not that long ago, right? But so no. much change. It's like very different. Um, it, when I started, it was right when we were like talking about launching the Team Bumble um, campaign that you mentioned. And it was like, what is this? We're launching something for all women, you know, like the all women Fortnite team at that time, Fortnite Esports was like really popping off. And, you know, we find like the a slew of women creators who like also at the time did not really were not really signed to orgs yet or there weren't as many right so when we signed like 10 of them it was like a thing you know like it was like oh okay that's what's happening right and now it's it's amazing to see like you know it's just it's incredible to see it it does feel like a slow trickle but then when you look at it in a chunk you're like okay it is actually really different And then to see like Riot supporting it through their um, VCT Game Changers initiatives is like also if you have publisher support on that, like that's like a a huge deal. I don't know that I would have anticipated that three years ago. Right. Can you tell me a little um, some more about some of the stuff that we talked about at the top, like like Team Bumble? And I know that you all have you did a lot of stuff or International Women's Day slash month. I'm honestly not sure if it's all of March that's considered a month to celebrate women, but that's a whole, that's a different issue. Um, I know that you were doing some things for that with female creators, um, sending some donations to Aid for Ukraine, which I thought was amazing. Um, But yeah, can you tell me a little, some more about some of the philanthropic initiatives you have going on, motivations behind them, um, what, your you know upper management what you tried to communicate with them all that good stuff sure so i'll start with international women's month which i mean we just do it all month because why not why not (laughs) why not you know but it's just a month i have no issue with it being a whole month i just know that march 8th everyone was posting yes about international women's day and then i don't know what happens the rest of march (laughs) yeah it is funny i just saw on twitter where all news lives. Um, <laughs> the there are like different women creators like and their tweets on women's women's day and like one of them was if today is the only day that you're tweeting about supporting women then like go think about your life and your choices. <laughs> mm-hmm. So at Gen G we do the month because why not? Um uh but also it's easier to plan out a whole month and we can have more, you know, charity initiatives and kind of things that support the collegiate um, space for the duration of the month. So um, we, this year we're raising actually for broadcasters, um, which is a, a part of a thousand, um, thousand dreams fund. Um, it's to further the space for um, women who are interested in the content creation and gaming space and like providing opportunity for um, women who are pursuing like a career or have interest in it. Um, 
we chose the organization this month this month because it um it shares a lot of common values with what we what we're trying to do with the Genji Foundation, um, which you also mentioned earlier before, but we basically um we made a ten year million dollar commitment um during twenty twenty when so many things were happening in in the US, including the pandemic and a bunch of, you know, racial justice movements and things like that. We made we we uh first saw that, you know, obviously like everyone was posting in support of these different movements. We we wanted to like do something actual. <laughs> you know, yes, it's good. To, yeah. It's good of course to make your voice heard and to make it known, but then like after you broadcast it out into the void, what what happens next, you know? And I think like that's what we really leadership here. That's what we were really thinking about. Like how do we how do we take that and actually help individuals and and it may be like very idealistic, but I just think like, you know, so much within the space has changed. It's moving so fast and three years, five years, like you blink an eye and there's like, like you said, like this podcast couldn't have existed five years ago, right? And that's not that much time. So if we're making a 10 year commitment, then like we can only anticipate, you know, what kind of changes could come within the space that's moving so quickly right now, right? So that's why we... um so we have that um, Genji Foundation, and there were just a lot of parallel values shared with the Broadcaster Initiative. So that's why we're um, we're supporting them. And then, you know, obviously there's this whole um, the the crisis going on with Ukraine, and um, we felt it would be not in line with our values if we were just to like post about the, you know, we wanted to provide some kind of action so when everything was happening and people were like you know changing their um profile picks and of course yes like make your support be known but how, what can we do beyond that so um you know we're matching what is being raised for broadcasters and genji is going to match that to the um to good fund for ukraine so, so that's kind of what we're working on this month so it's kind of like a um um you know, we have a bunch of collab like charity streams between some of our creators. Um, we have one going up today, actually it's starting in like 40 minutes between two of our um, bigger, um, two of our Valorant creators. And um, so we have a couple more of those scheduled through the end of the month. And then we're also, we also did um, office hours, which is happening weekly it's on, in our Discord. It's just like a space for college students to come in and stop by and kind of like chat with the women staff that we have very many um I did mine last week and it turned kind of into like a resume review for a couple of students so I did that um but that's happening weekly and then um we also did a workshop which is our series to kind of you know um educate I guess like it sounds so uh marketing like but basically we did we did a panel that had like different women in the gaming and music space um kind of talk about their careers and um, their career paths we actually have a creator her name is nikki taylor and she uh, is a professional singer as well she sang actually one of the world's um theme songs yeah so she's like pretty known in the league community yeah she's a, she's like she's amazing and she hosted it and then we had um shannon williams who's one of our um valorant creators she's actually also 
the voice actress for Jet within um, the game itself. So she was, and she used to be a, in the K-pop scene. Um, so That's she's also, so cool. yeah, so she was a guest on it. We also had Stephanie Poetry, who's like a, um, an artist and was 88 Rising. And then we had another artist named Ilona Garcia. And she was actually, she did the song for um, Neon, the um, Neon and Valorant, her, um, that like launched Neon. So we we did that. It was, it was really just more about learning about more women in the space, like how they got there and what they're doing. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> okay. Well, right before we wrap up, and I'm sad that we are wrapping up because I actually wanted to ask you a couple more questions about the metaverse and future tech and where Gen G is going, but we are just not going to get to that today. So you'll have to come back on sometime. Um, but before we wrap up, I want to do a quick summary and then I'll ask you the last question I have here. We kind of started off with a lot on your background in marketing and what it means. Um, one thing that we did talk about with the metaverse, is it's important to be consistent and that's true in metaverse and in real life, but you have to provide value to the consumer. Consumer led activations tend to be more successful. That's been kind of a recent shift as social media and access to ads has increased audience participation kind of um, more so than it used to be. Clear expectations and specific measures of success make it easier for both brands and brand collaborators to get what they need. And choosing creators that align with brand values is important for maintaining authenticity. One thing that you shared, which is super exciting, is that you have a game, a partnership coming with a game developer. Uh, that's really cool and unique. At least we couldn't think of another organization that had done that uh, quite yet. And I'm excited for it to come out and for people to view it because you said that the characters are super fun and cute. Um, we also talked about Gen G and how you give a very specific measure that 50% of the creativity and innovation <laughs> and DEI principles come from being a multinational company where you have to learn different business cultures. You have to interact across different um, value spectrums and just really learn who you're dealing with. Um, so I, I appreciate the exact number there. Um, and we ended with a lot of the philanthropic initiatives you're involved with at Gen G, including the ones for International Women's Month um, through your support for the Broadcast Her initiative. I thought it was really great that you pointed out that everyone should try to act out their values. Um, so not just posting, which can be really great, but also doing things to actually help organizations as much as you can. Um, and I know that you all are doing a lot to support aid for Ukraine. And you're also doing a lot in the college and education space um, to directly help folks there. Um, so for our last segment, I do this on every show. I like to ask each guest for a moment of reflection. So just a chance to kind of think back on your career and answer what is one thing you would like to tell your younger self about getting into the gaming industry and being successful? I guess like fake it till you make it, but but put real thought into how you're going to make it. You know, you can't fake it forever. <laughs> you have to fake it and go in with an open mind to learn and understand communities. So, so you're saying don't be Anna Delvey, pretend to be a German heiress, claim you have $60 million and then take out a whole bunch of loans. I want to be Anna Delvey. Like I, her voice saying like run it again, <laughs> just echoing <laughs> in my head for the last two weeks. Why are you being so dramatic? Yeah, basically, yeah. You know, you, yes, it's good to believe in yourself. Yes, it's good to be confident. Yes, it's good to, um, you know, 
sell yourself, right? Because you are, you are valuable. Like, you you know, like you should never undersell your, your skill set. But yes, don't be Anna Delphi. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Yeah. So fake it, fake that confidence, but don't fake the skill behind it. <laughs> yes. Like you have to learn, you know, you have to be open-minded and willing to understand things that you don't know, you know, and admit that you don't know it, at least to yourself so that you can, you know, improve them, I guess. Well, I like that. Don't be Anna Delphi, but be a little bit of Anna Delphi. <laughs> a little bit. Yes. <laughs> don't be the tender swindler at all. But yeah, no, yeah, avoid him at all costs, <laughs> like at all, not a little, not even a little bit. No, yeah. <laughs> there's no redeemable qualities there. No. None. Hard yeah. avoid. Yeah. Well, Gina, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find and follow you and follow Gen G and follow the, the cool stuff you guys have coming up? Um, you can follow Gen G on Twitter at uh, Gen G Sports uh, or Gen G. I hope it's good for that. You know what? Let me let me search that real quick. It's just just Genji <laughs> on Twitter, and you can follow me on um, Twitter and Instagram at Hi GC Party. So H I G C Party P A R T Y. That's me. Yay! And for all our listeners out there, make sure you keep leaving those five star ratings and reviews. Be sure to check out other Holodeck Media podcasts, including Meta Business for all the metaverse finance stories you could ever want, and Business of Esports for interviews with industry leaders. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Lindsay Poss, and you can catch me Wednesday nights on the Business of Esports live after show. You can catch this podcast in your feed every Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Woman. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Woman.